We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by our friends over at No House Advantage. I'm John McKechnie. That's Mario Puig. Today we're getting into all the week five action from every angle, breaking down every single game, fantasy, betting, you name it. We got it here on this episode of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Let's get it rolling. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire. Fantasy Football Podcast, John McKechnie and Mario Puig hanging out with you on this Thursday again. This podcast presented to you by our friends over at No House Advantage. Uh, Mario, we're we're into week five here. Uh, baseball season just wrapped up yesterday. I, I just finished uh, what, what might be the most average fantasy baseball season of all time. I finished exactly 500 in both my category leagues, and I finished seventh out of 14 in the Rotowire Stake League. So that that's playing it right down the middle. Yeah, and that, that I think that would bode well for your right fantasy football season because um, baseball is not even your strong suit. So you're going to probably finish like three fourths in every league this year. I'm we're we're off to a pretty good start here, although uh, the the injuries with with Miami specifically, I'm I'm very leveraged uh, with with the two of Waddle combo, a uh, little bit of Tyreek Hill as well. So. You know, we'll, we'll see how, how things go th- this week up, up in the Meadowlands as far as the, the Giants or the uh, the Dolphins Jets game. They're kind of the Giants, uh, too, if you think about it. I mean, they, I mean, they hang out there like pretty often. Like you can see them there at least eight times a year, sometimes more. It, unbelievable. Um, but we're, we're on uh, to week five here, and we've got a Thursday night game that if both teams were at full strength, I'd still say this is teetering on on unwatchable but i now, love these two teams john i think it's a great game uh yeah anyone who's been listening it, to us this year knows that we are very glowing about the two horse teams yeah it is like the nfl specifically is like we're gonna try to make this puig guy uh go completely insane finally permanently uh so let's move that one to a thursday what else um <laughs> yeah i uh i mean these teams are so stupid and mismanaged fire everybody uh, dissolve both teams, uh, constrict the NFL to 30 teams, delete these two. Um, yeah. 
Hard to argue. Um, and we're, we're going to have uh, some a, a tough scene at, at running back with, with both of these clubs, Jonathan Taylor being sidelined and, and Javante, of course, being being out for the season. Now, I, I know that you've kind of moved most of your fantasy football interests in the season long to best ball. Um, but did would you have it in the event of you playing it in a free agent budget league? What would you have plopped down on Mike Boone? I don't know. I like Mike Boone probably more than I should. I might be, I must be missing something because to me, he looks like he clearly would work as a runner in the NFL. And even if he's bad as a pass blocker or something, it's like we see guys pass block poorly and stay in the league. And those guys aren't even good runners and Boone can run. He, he's always been able to run. He's explosive uh, in the NFL. He's always produced with carries. So I'm inclined to believe that if Mike Boone gets an opportunity, he's going to do well with it, or at least do better than Gordon who, uh, basically just fumbles now. He's got, mm-hmm. he's got, uh, like four years in a row with four more fumbles and granted he took, you know, 16 weeks in those other cases to get there rather than four. But I don't know what Gordon actually does. Well, I don't know what Latavius Murray does. Well, I, I don't know why I know neither of them can run with the football like Mike Boone. So if, if Boone doesn't play going forward, I think it would have to come down to, I don't know. He, get, he, he somehow gets Russell Wilson hurt on a blitz pickup, but it's like, when's the last time we remember some guy uh, being that bad in a blitz pickup that it's like, oh, yeah, that quarterback was good until his running back, who shouldn't have been playing because he's a bad blitz pickup guy, but a good runner. So they, they put him on the field and got the quarterback killed. Like, that's just never happened. It seems to me like a yeah, that, it sounds like coaches. That sounds like, and I haven't seen this movie in a while, but it sounds like either a scene or a deleted scene from, like, the longest yard or, or uh, not the longest yard, uh, any given Sunday or something. Yeah, so, oh, I think it might I knew be I shouldn't more, have put him out there. I think they had coaching instruction videos in like the fifties, kind of like driver school videos where they just show like a quarterback, <laughs> like standing in a pocket. And it's like Johnny quarterback sees an open man. And then like, but his, his running back is nowhere to be found. And then the yeah, sma- like, smash he's, just, he's the standing up in one dreaming. frame. And then in the next, he's just laying flat on the ground. It's like, you know, don't let this happen to your Mr. Touchdown. Um, so I don't know. I think I think uh, Boone is clearly their best option. Part of the problem there, too, is Hackett is one of the dumbest people ever to breathe, and he's a head coach of the Broncos. So I, I don't know what you can take for granted there other than just a, a very stupid team. But I like Boone. Yeah, I'm I'm just picturing uh, the Simpsons episode where Hank Scorpio gifts uh, may, uh, ownership of the Broncos to to Homer, and they all show up at his house and they're throwing the football around, but they can't catch it and and stuff. That's kind of what I'm picturing as as the current state of the Denver Broncos. I definitely feel like the uh, the shootout meme picture of Hank Scorpio uh, oh. at this game in general, like not at anyone in particular. It's just the thought of it has me ready to go to that extent. Yeah, Scorpio flamethrower. Uh, if you could tackle someone on the way out, that would be great, Homer. Uh, that that that, and so on. You only move twice, folks. Uh, family here. Maybe maybe the best Simpsons episode. I'll be right but, back. Very good. But uh, beyond that, uh, a little little recap on the Fab as it pertains to to Mike Boone. So I, I tried to get him in uh, my NFC. Uh, Rotowire online championship. I I put down I think like twenty two or 225, 227 out of a $1,000 budget got beat out slightly. So I didn't feel completely dumb about that. Um, you know, I was, I was relatively on, on the right side of it, but, uh, the winning bid went for a little bit over 25% of budget. So I, I was able to scoop, uh, Caleb Huntley. 
at at about half the the budget. We're already so deep in the bin of names, like, aren't we? Uh, and all those uh, best ball articles about like the 18th round targets. I, I write up these guys where I'm like, this is stupid. This guy's not. Why am I even talking about this? And yet. Uh, a Caleb Huntley type was well off my radar uh, with that sort of article, and yet you know, here we are wondering whether we should spend like a quarter of our season fab on this guy. It's yeah, it's it's unreal, and we're just barely into October. Before we like break down this uh, Thursday night game more fully, uh, we do have a question here uh, from Matthew, patiently waiting there. Uh, should I offer Jamar Chase, DeAndre Swift, and Darnell Mooney for, in exchange for Mixon and Adams? I don't know. I mean, it's tough to think through things like these where I feel like the winning side is sort of the one that um kind of just has better luck with the players because it's there's nothing obviously better about one group than the other. And it comes down like the whole gap, if there is one, comes down to Swift being hurt right now. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I would, but it's not because I'm so much against it as much as I have difficulty pinning down what I even think is going on. Uh, Swift could be also like a top five running back when he gets back. So I don't know. It might be worth just waiting. And and the Mooney part also is tough because he could be just a zero, even though I think he's a totally good player. Uh, yeah, the the Bears, like I just I would almost I'd be more leery uh, for for the Mix and Adams side of this with with Mooney being thrown in. It's like, can you just not give me Mooney? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, Maybe if you have like a losing record right now and you really got to get something these next two weeks specifically, but otherwise to me, it's just kind of chase and swift versus Mixon and Adams. And yeah, you'd rather have Mixon and Adams this week, but what about two weeks from now? Okay. All right. So good perspective there uh, for Matthew. And then a quick flex question here. Uh, Which Wilson Garrett or Jeff in the flex? Um, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Who do the uh, Jets have again this week? The Jets have the Dolphins. Uh, man, that's not a bad matchup for Wilson because he's been their primary slot receiver. And Nick Needham, the main slot corner for the Dolphins, is not a very athletic guy. Like, he's better against big, slow receivers. Um, but let's see. Uh, Wilson, I guess, like, uh, sorry, Jeff Wilson, I think I'd kind of lean toward that might just be me being risk averse or something because I think we would say Jeff Wilson has the higher floor as like the the ostensible featured running back on a heavy favorite, you know, run heavy team. Uh, but Garrett Wilson is the one who could give you like an 80 yard touchdown. Like Jeff Wilson can't do that. So maybe if you need upside, go with Garrett. I'd, I'd probably go with Jeff, but that's, I, I might be being like a chicken about that or something. And uh, for the record, our, um, our flex rankings for this week do, do have Jeff uh, safely ahead of, of Garrett, both startable uh, in, in the flex discussion but but jeff uh, a decent bit higher and i i think i agree with you uh this game script sets up you know with the niners being almost a touchdown favorite on the road they run the ball a ton to begin with so i do like uh jeff uh wilson in that particular setup just a little bit over garrett wilson garrett wilson could obviously make it look silly but um i think that's the safer play right now is jeff. zach wilson which jeff is not so <laughs> far too many wilsons uh already unbelievable um, anywho, let's get on to, to this game. So we've, we do have, uh, the Broncos checking in as three, three and a half point favorites. I think it's, it, yeah, it depends on, on the book there, but it, it's one of those two, depending on, on where you like, uh, to, to book. Um, and uh, according to DraftKings, 
uh, a couple days ago, most of the month or a little, it was been fairly split this whole week, but um, a little bit over 50% was on Indianapolis. And in light of the Jonathan Taylor news, uh, things have swung a little bit in the betting market in favor of the Broncos. It hasn't really changed the line, of course, but at the same time, Broncos now getting about 54, 55% of the uh, betting handle and volume. Yeah, I mean, I hate the Broncos, and I absolutely, I have not, I can't remember hating a team as much as I do this Broncos team, uh, but I still think they're probably going to win this. Uh, the Colts just have Jonathan Taylor on offense. Like, I know that they might think otherwise, or there's there's a lot of people out there um, who have bylines suggesting things like, oh, Jonathan Taylor's uh, actually not that helpful. He's replaceable, and uh, Naheem Hines is the guy to replace him. So, oh, good. We get to see that tonight, then. Right. Uh, that that Naheem Hines contract that everyone was competing over to praise the most, uh, just because Chris Ballard uh, sent them a, a thumbs up emoji on Twitter DMs or something. Uh, that these these people, I think, are going to learn what running back. Well, they won't learn. Um, they'll get an opportunity to see the difference between what a real running back is and whatever they seem to think they see in Hines. Um, Hines is fine as like a lesser Kevin Falk type, like he can catch screens and he's fast enough and has enough route running background that he can beat like a linebacker on a slant or whatever else. Uh, that definitely happens. But if you simply notice as a defense, as a defensive coordinator, whether Hines is on the field, you say, Oh, uh, take that linebacker out, put in a safety and he can't get open against the safety and he can't run against the safety. So I don't actually think Naheem Hines scales up. I think he, plays pretty much the same role he ever does uh, probably capping out at like 35 snaps, maybe 40, I guess. Um, but be it in the NFL or at North Carolina state, he has never been able to find the open field. He's always been fast. He's always worked hard, whatever else. I'm sure he's likable. I'm sure that explains something why they seem favored toward him, but he cannot run with the football from scrimmage. He just, he, he can run in a straight line. If the, if the space is created for him, he does have the sub four, four speed, but otherwise, he might as well run with his eyes closed. He always runs into people. He, he always finds the tackler wherever he is on the field. So if they if they need Naheem Hines to run in this game, they just do not win. Uh, if they need Hines to be explosive as a pass catcher, I think they also don't win. I think he can only be the guy who gives you like, you know, a, an 80, 78 percent catch rate, maybe 82 percent giving you between 5.5 and maybe six yards per target, which is to say still less effective on a per play basis than your average runner who can get you like 4.2 yards per carry, uh, which I, I don't think he can do that. So I think he's a good pick in like the DraftKings showdown stuff. And if you have him in season long, you still play him just because he's, you know, especially in this era of PPRs, like it is easy to imagine Hines getting like six catches for 40 yards in a game. Uh, yeah, right he could there, do then. the he could do the Eckler special, and this isn't a slight against Eckler, but you know there there are the weeks where it's like it's not really working out box score wise, and then the Chargers need to catch up, and bang, you have like five catches on like the on like the last drive, and there you have it. Yeah, and if the Broncos put Pat Sertan on Michael Pittman as a shadow assignment, that that's not a matchup Pittman is winning, and it's going to create a funnel away from him. I'm not saying it definitely goes to Hines, but with these receivers, it's it's more likely than just about any other case imaginable. Like it's just uh, Sertan is is a dead end. 
they're still going to have to force, you know, six to 10 targets toward Pittman. I just don't know if you can expect better returns than last week. And Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, once that is, if that is determined, the Colts passing game either stops or guys like Hines, maybe Moali Cox, maybe Kylan Granson kind of pick up the slack. Uh, But the Colts, I don't think have any idea what they're doing. Uh, They don't, last week was the first time they gave Moali Cox more than 20 routes in a game. And they specifically took routes away from Kylan Granson to, to get him there. And Moali Cox goes off immediately. And I was saying all off season that I kind of liked this offense because I thought they were going to budget it with Moali Cox as a pass catcher. And Moali Cox is a good pass catcher, despite whatever it is that Reich thinks about him. Uh, the first three weeks, they just killed themselves by voluntarily not using him. And then last week, first time they give him any sort of feature in the, in the progression where he's like, Oh, he goes off immediately. So if they were going to, if they're going to keep doing this thing where they try to justify Granson by giving him routes that should go to Mo Alley Cox, they're going to get wrecked in this game, like shut out watch kind of bad. So we'll see. Uh, Alec Pierce is a good receiver too, I think, but uh, Ronald Darby can run with him on the other side and Matt Ryan, you know, pop gun arm might not be the kind of guy to take advantage of Pierce's skill set at the moment. And, and uh, meanwhile, we... they don't feature Paris Campbell. So I, I actually think the Colts are in uh, on shutout watch here. Yeah, it's it's going to be a long night for them. And then, you know, I know Randy Gregory got got dinged up this past week. Uh, That's for, a big for loss Denver. for the Broncos. Yeah, because he, he's looked uh, pretty great uh, thus far. But do you, you think like the rest of this Broncos pass rush going up against an Indianapolis offensive line that, you know, isn't what it was a couple of years ago, give, gives Matt Ryan, you know, who is a statue to begin with, you know, some, some trouble here? Right. Ryan is fumbling at a crazy pace right now. And yeah, I, I think that's basically on him. But also, to be fair, those defenses have better pass rushes than what the Broncos do. Like the Chiefs, I think, have one of the league's better pass rushes, even though I, I don't think it's really registered yet. The The Jaguars have uh, a sort of belligerence to their front seven. Uh, the yeah. Broncos don't. They just they're just they're just as a team going through the motions while while you know, at the direction of this complete idiot that none of them respect for a quarterback who they all hate too. I mean, I I just, I know I just talked about how the Colts are on shutout watch, but like the Broncos could at some point in the year, stop showing up to games. I just don't think it's going to be quite yet. I think they need, they need a little more just disgrace. uh, And it's, it's, there's been a lot already, but it's like, you know, maybe six weeks, not four. Maybe they, maybe they eke out a, a win here. Like, uh, 13 to seven or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's I, I do like the, the under in this one, although my, my record on totals this year, uh, no bueno against the spread. Not bad. It's a Thursday game at least too. And, uh, that, that, that's another reason why I'm worried about Ryan and the Colts passing game is, is like, he's been so like, he's barely been acceptable the last two weeks. And now you're giving him a short week and he's going to Denver. I don't know. seems, seems like a lot to, that could go wrong, you know? Uh, I agree. And uh, I was saying this to to Nick and Jeff on the XM show uh, earlier this week. But, you know, when it comes to Matt Ryan and the, and the fumbles, I just hope that later in the season when he's getting close to uh, the fumble record that, um, you know, we get the Aaron Judge-esque cut-ins to whatever whatever it is that you're watching on television. It's like, <laughs> we got to see if Matt Ryan's about to fumble again. It's, folks. Uh, it's third and eight. We got the Colts at their own 30. And let's see what Matt Ryan can do here. Can, can he get the record? He's got here? a chance. Is, he's got to. He's got to get this one. But he's got a chance if he does. 
Oh boy. So, uh, looking forward uh, to that and, and hopefully, uh, broadcasters nationwide are listening to the, to that genius idea. Cause everyone loved uh, the judge cut-ins, uh, so much as well. Uh, anything else to, to add on to this game before we move on? Uh, should be a good game for Corton Sutton and maybe Judy too, even if the Broncos don't score many points. Uh, they're kind of stuck in this rut that the Seahawks found themselves in where they have to design the offense to suit Russell Wilson, even though the broader effect is not actually positive. It's like he ends up with clean looking numbers because you set up the whole thing to kind of like just juice his stats. But the the infrastructure it requires to do that is one that is not effective for competing in football games. Uh, so I don't expect them to really score points as much as kind of like end up with short fields because of the Colts playing so poorly. And maybe Wilson gets two or three touchdowns while throwing for like 210 yards, but they'll never get over that 220 yard range uh, predictably uh, while Nate Hackett is the coach because Nate Hackett has just decided that uh, he doesn't like Albert Equigwinem and he's going to bench him for Eric Saubert. And you're going to see stupid ass theories about why this is happening. And like one of them, you're going to hear, I guess Albert Equigwinem is not blocking good enough. That's not even it. Hackett's just got a personal problem with the guy. Eric Saubert is a trash blocker. He doesn't do anything well. And if they want to play 10 out of 11, when they're already playing, uh, you know, some, some kind of bad version of football, like they're, they're going to keep being awful. So they'll, they'll win this game, I think, but it's going to be just crap football. Yeah. I mean, the, the, their wins have been hideous uh, thus far. I mean, the, the, the Texans game, they could barely get out of their own way. And then, uh, you know, the, you know, if not for Jimmy G really stepping up, I don't think the Broncos win that game against Joseph the Niners Orlovsky as well. possessed Garoppolo and, and gave Hackett uh, yet another unearned uh, accolade in his life. Uh, he's coach's son, rich kid, big idiot. He sucks. Get it over <laughs> with. Pull the plug on this. Yeah, I mean, th- this is um, – would this be uh, in the last five years, like potentially the second one-and-done coach for the Broncos? Or No, I guess – who was the other one? Uh, stupid question. Probably. No, Van, Vance Joseph was there for two years, I think. I, oh I would, yeah. I don't know. I would. I. You know what he would. What Nate Hackett would really look good in. That. Uh, this is not me wishing injury on him exactly. I just think it would be a good look. Uh, the Bobby Petrino neck brace uh, press conference. Like he looks like he would be a good Bobby Petrino in a neck brace as like a Halloween costume. You know. Yeah. No. I like that. Or. Um, you know. Uh, the the Hugh Freeze special from a couple of years ago, where he's just coaching from a <laughs> hospital bed up in the up in the coach's booth. Um, one of those two uh, we need to have happen because uh, it's gonna otherwise show up. it's just tragic. He's going to show up to a press conference midweek looking like Bobby Petrino, but it won't be because he had a motorcycle accident or an affair. It'll be like uh, I he crashed his bird hot, scooter. I fell in yeah. the hot dog cooker. My my <laughs> industrial size hot dog boiler. I, I tripped and fell in it. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the the it writes itself. It, it, it really does. Uh, before we get on over to the Sunday games, uh, we got a quick message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, on to the London game. Uh, Treating our our fine friends over in Great Britain to some of the finest football we can give them with the New York Giants going over there to to face uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Packers seven and a half to eight and a half point favorites, depending on where you're looking. So kind of kind of a wide variance uh, there. I I my one of my like betting mantras for this year when it comes to the Packers is uh, they don't they're not going to blow teams out. Like it, I I thought that uh, them giving ten and a half to the Patriots last week was one of the easier calls of the week, but. Um, you know, when it's this Giants team and they're as dang, dinged up as they are, not just at quarterback, but also at the, at the skill groups, I kind of feel like this is a game where, you know, not, not unlike Indianapolis where, where they're on shutout watch, but I think that New York's only going to be able to muster 10 to 13 points. And I, I think that the Packers can just over the course of time, go ahead and, and, you know, score 20, 23 points and, and get it done. So I, I, I like the Packers to cover but begrudgingly. Yeah. If, uh, if the Packers don't cover, I think it's because of the giants sort of going into a bourbon bowl strategy with all of their injuries. It's kind of understandable. Like why not just, why not just kneel down? This isn't a real game. There's nothing. Go, go uh, get this game over with and see what the sites of London. I don't know. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I I don't, and I say the bourbon bowl strategy is cutting out the Packers from the cover by, uh, because it would be like they run the clock out so fast, the, the Packers can't even get up 14 points or whatever they would. Uh, if, if, the, if the Giants run like 40 plays and the Packers run only 55, that's a way for the Giants to cover, even if they just barely get any points. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the Giants can do other than feed Saquon and with every single eyes on the field looking at him, every play. At the very least, he's going to need to be, you know one of the more psycho versions of himself and he's got it in him. It's just kind of, it's kind of hard to expect a guy to, to just do that on, on command really. So if, if Saquon doesn't hit, I don't, I don't even, I don't know how they get like a first down in this game. So uh, the Packers would have to be 
ambitiously inept to blow it almost, you know, almost no matter what the spread is. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I mean, the, the Packers, like, if, I still believe that they aren't going to be blowing teams out this year. At least we haven't seen anything to really suggest that. Um, but yeah, the, the Giants are just, the, I might they're just the not Texans in position. At seven and a half against the Giants, mm-hmm. you know? Usually, I, I, the Texans have been good against big spreads because they just get them all the time over over these last couple of years. Um, well, they did they didn't cover a kind of narrow spread uh, last week. Um, anyway, anywho, we di- we digress. But um, anything uh, notable fantasy wise that that you can impart to us, whether it's on the Giants or the Packers side here. I do like the Packers offense getting better in the next month. I mean, I really believe in Romeo Dobbs. I know he dropped that one touchdown, but to me, that that's one of those plays that's actually encouraging because, yeah, he dropped it, whatever. He kind of caught it, kind of dropped it, whatever. I'd love a touchdown there, too. But uh, that he was able to get the box score he did in that game, and especially the week before against the Buccaneers, and, and drop a pass like that and still have a very clean, clearly encouraging box score over those two games, that makes me even more optimistic because I, I see that as room for growth. And not just that, Dobbs beat Jonathan Jones. He had big separation on Jonathan Jones on that play. And Jones, he's either like a 4-3-4 or a 4-3-1 guy. He's fast. And Dobbs had him had him smoked. I'm not saying Dobbs is that fast, but if Dobbs was running like anything better than a 4-4-5, he is going to be a really good starting receiver soon. And I think the Packers have a need for him. Lazard getting going is going to open things up in the middle of the field. Uh, they got to stop doing that two running back formation. It, it's just not working. But the Packers, I think Dobbs is Dobbs is going to take them further than I expected them to go as a passing offense. So with, with Dobbs in mind, uh, our guy Chris has a question. Uh, needs a wide receiver two and a flex from from this group. Um, Dobbs himself. Uh, Adam Thielen, Robert Woods, or Rashad Penny? I, I think I'm going Dobbs and Penny. Um, I'm trying to see the. Uh... Sorry, what is it? who's uh, the Vikings playing again? Uh, the Vikings have the Bears at home. Yeah, that's oh man, that could go either way. That one's tough. Um, I, so I love Rashad Penny. Uh, I am a little worried about this Saints matchup, like the Saints run defense might be a bit much so uh i don't feel confident making this pick exactly but i think i would go dobbs and woods but i sorry for kind of uh wimping out but i I don't feel strongly about it okay fair enough fair enough um and then uh any last thoughts on this game maybe on on the giant side before we get on to steelers bills yeah they're, they're pretty bad okay all right that there we have it folks all right onward we got the Bills, 14-point favorites against the Steelers. It's dizzying to me to, to see the Steelers with a, a plus number in the in the double digits next to them. But, I mean, they've been bad against the spread this year. They've been bad pretty much in general. Uh, they're making the move to, to Kenny Pickett. Notably, uh, none of his passes hit the ground last week, but, you know, three of them uh, did go in the hands of the New York Jets. Say what so, you will, he never misses. I mean, that's just facts. You're just, you're just stating facts at that point. Um, But 14, you know, we've seen the bills have these type of inflated spreads at at home over these last couple of years as Josh Allen has kind of ascended into that, you know, best quarterback in the league type of discussion. Um, And, you know, the defense is is phenomenal as well. And they, 
they crushed in those spots uh, last year. I, I believe against like the Texans, they, they won like 40 to nothing. They had another game where they were huge favorites, uh, were able to, to cover that spread. I think they pushed against the Falcons, uh, but like, you know, that was like a 15 point spread, something crazy like that. Um, do you expect the Steelers to to come in here and be able to keep this thing relatively close? Is there any hope that that Kenny Pickett can give them? Not really, but I could still imagine the Steelers covering just because 14 points is a lot. And, you know, they they have a way of always playing on defense greater than the sum of their parts. Like, it doesn't make any sense that anyone ever struggles to throw the ball on the Steelers. The corners for like half a decade now have basically just been crap. But mm-hmm. they have they have a, a certain zone, like a very ambitious, well well taught, like institution of a defensive scheme, and it I think is defined by things that often trip up Josh Allen, or like the few things that do trip up a quarterback like Josh Allen are things done by the Steelers, which is to say, especially like disguised coverages, uh, you know, really in Minka Fitzpatrick's case, especially like really just kind of novel coverage designs. And it's like Josh Allen could make some read that nine times out of 10 and especially against any other defense is the right one. And it might not quite be the right call against this defense. Uh, they're Even though they, even though the Steelers are totally toast and they just kind of got nothing, they're still going to prepare hard for this game. Like Mike Tomlin, has no quit in them at all. And they're going to come on. They're going to come in and play to some extent. You know, it's like the question is, is Allen on one of his better days? Is the Steelers defense on one of its better or worse days? I think, I think there's more room than people would generally can, uh, expect for the Steelers to end up losing only by 12 or 13. So uh, one of, and it could be as easy as like Josh Allen. Yeah. has like 400 yards passing 50 yards rushing three touchdowns, but maybe he has two interceptions instead of the one or the zero that we're, you know, usually in, we usually have in mind for projecting a game like this. Uh, but the Steelers side sucks. Uh, Kenny Pickett really might set some kind of turnover record this year. And uh, even if Josh Allen has the worst game of his career, the, the, stu- uh, the, Bengals, <laughs> the Bengals, the Bills will still win by at least a touchdown and, and more likely probably double digit points. But uh, yeah, the question is, I guess, just like, does the Steelers defense cook up something to cause a turnover or two uh, to, to sort of throw off the bills for a quarter or two from their otherwise rate of production and scoring? Because, you know, they, they'll always correct eventually, but every even the best offenses have downward blips at times. So uh, two more questions to add on here. Do you feel like it's a slight upgrade for the the Steelers skill position guys now that they've moved from from Trubisky to to Pickett. As someone who had Trubisky in a two quarterback league, I gotta think at least a little bit. It's it is very difficult to think of how a player could be worse than Trubisky from just awful. like y- yards per oh play. Oh my god! But the the so throughout the training camp, every word coming out from the Steelers camp was like. Pickett can't play. And that's a pretty alarming verdict to hear when he's competing against Trubisky of all people. Like if, if there was something happening in those practices that led those people to say Trubisky actually is better, believe it or not. And it is in the turnovers because it can't lie in the detail of the from scrimmage aspect. Cause Trubisky would basically Trubisky seemed to be, uh, you know, whereas in the past he might've been unable to read the field and would throw a stupid ill-advised throw. 
now he just can't read the field and just doesn't throw it or like, you know, mm-hmm. waits for some super low risk, low upside throw to kind of just get rid of the ball. Uh, Pickett in those situations will throw it every time. And he doesn't know what's ill-advised. I don't know. I, I happen to think pretty much every throw is ill-advised for Kenny Pickett. And I think that'll <laughs> bear out soon, but um, he is at least willing to make throws that Trubisky just wouldn't. So I don't know if that helps Pickens the most because Pickens being like a jump ball guy. I don't know. Maybe that helps. I guess it, I don't know. I don't think it's going to change much for Deontay Johnson because his target volume was always assured. It's like Pickett might venture into a part of the field that uh, Trubisky didn't. And I guess that would have to be Pickens if it helps anyone. But I, I don't know. I, just, I don't think it really is going to change anything except they're going to turn the ball over even more. What do you do with Chase Claypool at this point? Uh, I don't know. He'd keep him on the bench probably because his quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't. I wouldn't I can't start by dropping either. him. It's like Johnson. Johnson gets ten to twelve targets every game. It's like he can average five yards a target and still be useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the volume is assured there. And then any sort of long-term concerns, uh, you, you know, issues that might hurt the Bills come January when it, when it comes to their offense specifically. You know, we, we've got two weeks in a row now where they haven't looked quite uh, as sharp, albeit they, they were on the road against good teams in both cases. But, but you know, the, the offense certainly looked a far cry from what it did against the Rams and the Titans. Uh, I guess if on offense, if they have an issue, it's that they still don't really have running back personnel to threaten the defense. Like Who could have seen this coming? Right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's, I, I, we've definitely seen Super Bowl caliber offenses with worse running backs than these. It's just kind of that the way their offense is designed, it is very empowering for Josh Allen, but it also makes everything hinge on him. Like it, it, yep. if uh, if he has a bad day, they they kind of doom themselves. They don't even really leave a way out. Uh, so I, I think you would need, especially the colder the weather gets, the, the windier it gets. Uh, the tougher the in the playoffs specifically, the tougher the defenses get. Like, you really do want to be able to run the ball on a team and and be able to enforce your will against them, because dictating the dimensions of the game, it, those details lie in things like that. Like, can does a defensive coordinator look at your personnel in the huddle and wonder if he can keep you from taking like eight yards just because you want it, and he doesn't want that. So he, he tries to stop that first and foremost. And if you demonstrate the ability to do it, it'll, it'll linger in his head. It'll affect all the play calling from that point until they set a precedent where you don't just get eight yards every play because you want it. And then once you defend the run necess- in the necessary way to make that happen, you start to leave yourself weaker at other points in the defense. And it's like any, any day Josh Allen is struggling, they should be able to turn to the run game somehow and make the defense stop doing whatever is giving him trouble. And I don't think they have that ability. I think it's just... Josh Allen has a bad day. It's still Josh Allen's problem to figure it out. And mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff can happen in the playoffs, even though that's not the reason it happened, that they lost last year. But it's it's a risk. And and uh, if it if it's something that pops up, I think it could give them trouble. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, you know, at, at, at this stage, you know, I, I defer to Josh Allen having a great game as opposed to, you know, a, a bad one. But it, it does leave them with with a thinner margin for error on, on the rare occasion that he is you know, a little bit off or, or the defense has been schemed up in a way to, to kind of limit uh, his general impact. Um, let's see, a couple of questions here. Uh, Nick, uh, just kind of flexing his team here. You know, he's got Lamar, McCaffrey, Chase, 
Fournette, I mean, you're you're yes. in you're in good shape. Uh, I promise you that. Uh, I don't think that there's any uh, pressing moves uh, to be made. Uh, Lucius wants to know um, our opinions on Mike on Michael Pittman th- this evening, and then uh, long term uh, Hollywood Brown. Any concern once um, once DeAndre Hopkins is back? Um, not not any actionable concerns. I mean, I'm concerned with the Cardinals offense and Cliff Kingsbury. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is going to hurt Marquise Brown. But uh, as a Pittman, I think you generally still want to start him. I, I know you mentioned your team is deep at receiver, so maybe it's an exception in your case. But uh, Pittman is one of those guys who, especially in PPR leagues, like you still probably want to start him in bad matchups because Indianapolis offense categorically does not move without him getting the ball. So it's possible they don't move the ball, but that's exactly what it would take for Pittman to not get a decent return, even in a tougher matchup. So there's just not that many players you can say that about. And um, if if you can't say it about the alternative, then I'd probably stick with Pittman. Yeah, I I think Pittman's probably fine tonight. We have him as a top 25 flex play. I think that 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 goes to show you that, you know, he's probably even higher among the, the wide receiver ranks. Uh, definitely still startable, even if like the, the ceiling isn't uh, crazy this evening or just in general when it comes to Indianapolis this year. Before we get on over to our next game, we got a message from our friends over at No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20x your entry fee if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, Season coming right up here, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. We also got a message from our friends over at Play With Swagger. There are 50 million fantasy sports players and sports bettors in the U.S., but 90% of all cash prizes are only won by 2% of players. That's because most sports gaming options were created for pros. You know, the dudes dropping loads of cash on data to find an edge over the rest of us. No swagger. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who simply want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Tired of losing because of one bad pick? Yes. Uh, With Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You simply create a ticket of four to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. Your score determines your win, not the perfect ticket. You can be half right and be all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props, and biggest payouts of any DFS site, as much as 50 times your money. Plus, you can play fantasy football along with all the major U.S. pro sports, as well as international soccer, Formula One, NASCAR, fight sports, rugby, cricket, and even esports. Ready to play? Visit playwithswagger.com slash rotowire to sign up, and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out, plus match your first deposit 
100% up to $100. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fan kind. All right, Mario, on to our next game. We got the Browns hosting the Chargers. Browns let me down last week. I thought that they were going to go in and get the win over Atlanta. I was wrong. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Atlanta here uh, shortly. There are t- a bunch of tough customers uh, over, over there. Um, but when it comes to this game, the Chargers got right last week against the Texans. It, they let the Texans back in a little bit, of course, as, the, as they are wont uh, to do. They love to play with their food. Um, now they go on the road, second week in a row. They're playing the Browns. Browns might be getting some defensive help back, uh, hopefully. But, you know, what, what are your thoughts here as, as the Chargers go in and, you know, try to kind of like recapture? I feel like they, they their reputation took a big hit against the Jaguars. And I don't think the Texans game really like brought them back uh, just yet. So what, what do they need to do here as two and a half point favorites? Right. I mean, the Chargers should have dealt with the Texans. I mean, the Texans are just not that seriously competitive of a team right now. And as much as the Chargers kind of had various excuses built in, you know, Keenan Allen not playing, Justin Herbert uh, playing wounded because of his coach letting him play wounded the prior two weeks, and especially the the time of the initial injury. Uh, Those are all, those are all reasons why it's kind of like, you know, they might blow this, but they still shouldn't. So that they, that they beat the Texans. It's definitely not a like, Oh, actually it's going to be okay. Kind of thing. It's, it's more like, congratulations. You're not definitely one of the five worst teams. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's just not saying that much, especially in, I know I feel like I say this every year, but I swear to God this year, the quality of play has to be lower than ever. There are like four good teams and the rest are terrible in a way that's like difficult to separate from each other. It's just like this mass of crap and then four or five mm-hmm. good teams. So the chargers aren't quite in that like massive crap, or at least not the bottom of it, but like they're still not, they're still not separating in this era the way that they should to that, to that top, whatever we're calling the good team group uh, with this game. It's tough for me to think through, especially with the, if we don't know what's going on with Clowney and Garrett quite yet. Uh, but also, is Keenan Allen supposed to play or not? I thought I saw it like he was supposed to play, and then he's not practicing yesterday. Um, the, the, is that a pre-recorded? Did we 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 actually just spliced that in from like two years ago? The, yeah, I, uh, the, is Keenan Allen supposed? Yeah, I don't. Okay, so if he plays, that's big, of course. And if he doesn't, it's again a big concern for the for the Chargers. Uh, I do hate the offense run by Lombardi with the Chargers. But I also hate the defensive scheme that Joe Woods runs on the other side. Like I, nothing against the guy. It seems like Joe Woods is a good like defensive backs coach. But I hate the scheme that he, I don't even. I can't even really tell you what's bad about it. I hate the failure of it. There's players just not playing as well as they should in that defense, and it's like every time I never watch the Browns play and think like, oh, they're they're hot on defense right now. They're they're really getting after it. It's just it's never felt like they've been in a proper attack mode. It's just like. Miles Garrett's insane and gets sacks sometimes, and then they get they get to they get a punt. Um, but they should be they should be more frightening than they are. And the run defense is the one exception, I guess. Like the run defense is just crap, and it hasn't yet been exposed. Like the, the Falcons kind of did. The Falcons mm-hmm. beat them by running the ball basically the entire game. And, and but the Chargers don't feel like they are going to be a team that wants to do that or like test that theory. True, exactly. And they don't have the personnel. Like the Browns' run defense is bad, but maybe it's not bad enough to make the Chargers' running game look good. I, there's mm-hmm. there's some kind of something's got to give there, and it's not necessarily the, the Browns' defense. So 
if, if the Chargers get themselves in a situation where they the Browns are not really even caring about the run game, then it could get hard on Herbert. Like at the very least, these corners are pretty fast. You know, Ward, Newsom, those, those guys can run. And I can't imagine it's great to, to be doing the six yard curl offense against guys like that. Like getting a jumped route isn't as simple as the corner being fast. And a lot of the best uh, route jumpers are guys who are not fast, but it's, it's if you're very fast, like Denzel Ward is, and you kind of, for the, for the fifth, passing play in a row you notice this guy looks this, you see that palmer uh mike williams whoever it is looks like they're about to break at the five yard point in their route why not just jump it you know and he can he can jump it from five yards further away than the next guy so um i think herbert will be fine because herbert is insane that's that's what it always comes back to anytime anything good happens with this team it's just wow herbert really is something and he is mm-hmm. it's it's incredible what he does there um, it's just, I feel like the chargers can blow it against pretty much anybody and their run defense is not convincing either. The chargers might not, the chargers might not take advantage of a bad opposing run defense. The Browns have to, they couldn't mm-hmm. do it any other way. They wouldn't even need to try and they'd still do it. So you, you have to worry about Chubb and hunt going off. If you're the chargers, uh, if, if they do, it puts Herbert in that much tougher of a spot because, uh, again, if if you're not if you don't care about the run as a defense and all that the opposing passing offense has to threaten you with is a bunch of curls over and over, where's the threat? There there isn't one. And uh, Keenan Allen wasn't practicing as of Wednesday, so you know that that looks shaky. We we already know that they they lost uh, their left tackle for the season, um, or for at least a, a long time. Although, gotta say, my dog Jamari Sawyer looked pretty good. Uh, last week filling in so uh, is that some george that georgia seventh rounder or whatever he was a late pick like way later than he should later than other guys off that offensive me, line people might not think you're serious but i do remember you telling <laughs> this guy might be good yeah um, i i didn't think he i didn't quite think he had everything that you would need for to be like an effective left tackle but i thought he'd be cr- just crush at guard uh in the nfl but you know obviously played a lot of tackle at georgia a lot of experience high level um and yeah he looked he looked the part if nothing else last week yeah so pump for jamari sawyer folks um anything else to to add here i mean what what's our kind of final verdict here do you think the browns could you know muck this up for the for the chargers uh yeah i'd go with the browns but it if if eckler gets fed on the ground he could have a really big game uh i I, they need to do it quick they can't just see how it goes first and then start giving Eckler the ball because Chubb's going to get the ball right away. Hunt's going to get the ball right away. Neither Mm -hmm. of them is likely to fail. And if the Chargers find themselves down as much as like six points and there's, you know, 10 minutes off the clock in the first quarter, I think that's enough to get a team like them to just abandon the run and kind of doom themselves in the process. So uh, I like the Browns and uh, I'd like them a lot more granted if, if we could get, you know, Garrett or, uh, clowny back, but I, I guess I I don't really need that to happen either to stick with that call. Yeah, I mean I I think the way that this sets up basically I I do believe that the the Chargers are are the better team, but I I think that the Browns are a, a tricky matchup for them with the way that they're built and what what they do. Garrett uh, was able to practice on, on Wednesday. Decent chance to play is is the latest uh, that we have over at RotoWire, so that that could you know be another feather in the cap. As far as the the Browns are concerned, uh, quick question here: um, Gabe Davis or Romeo Dobbs this week? 
I mean, I don't know what's going on with Davis and his ankle. I think he's pretty clearly been hurt the last two weeks. I I don't know what's the fair expectation of him when we don't know if he's healthy. Uh, and they might not need to go, you know, full board this week. They are 14-point favorites. So, I mean, they could either hold him out or just, like, simply not need him for all four quarters. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I, I think I would go with Davis. I, I'm concerned that he's not healthy, but they listed him as a full practice participant yesterday. So okay. if they're not lying, I, yeah, I'd go with Davis. Okay. All right. All right. Just throwing it out there. Um, let's see here. We got Jags, Texans. As we all expected, the Jags, we're starting to see them as a seven-point favorite in the in this one. Uh, wow. Uh, Urban Meyer just continues to catch L's posthumously. Um, unreal. But... <laughs> Um, but in peace, Bozo (laughs) thumbs up. Um, but, uh, how do you see the Jags faring this week against the Texans at home? I don't think the Jaguars are a properly good team. And I don't think the Texans are the kind of bad where you just assume, you know, any road game, there's, they're a touchdown or more underdogs. Uh, the, the, the Jags can still blow it various ways as much as they have I think a lot of upside that they're honing more and more all the time uh it's it's uh I guess most likely going to come down to the Trevor question and the more I think about it that way you know being as pro Trevor as I am I I probably become like less credible on on the subject because I just if if I keep thinking about it as Trevor versus Davis Mills and like oh yeah Trevor's god the Jags probably gonna win by like three touchdowns um, obviously that's not really how it works. So if I, if I try to keep in mind that Lawrence is still raw and still like very ambitious for how raw he is and, and how that opens him up to turnovers that maybe, you know, a less ambitious young quarterback like Davis Mills would not expose himself to because Trevor sees some closing door and he's like, Oh, I can get it there. And Mills might be like, well, that would be imprudent. And <laughs> so stuff like that is like, that's how you can, you know, get, get three or four turnovers out of Trevor even if you're also watching the game and thinking like, wow, that was an amazing throw. That was an amazing throw. It's like he keeps making amazing throws because he holds out for things that, you know, one day he'll get it all tuned down, I think. But uh, right now he still makes some wrong calls and the Texans have some, cor- some defensive players. I mean, and not so much in the front seven, I guess, but at corner, like Stingley is going to be one of the best corners in the league. He might already be like closing in on that sort of distinction. Steven Nelson can definitely take out Marvin Jones. Uh, is, um, is that other rookie um, defensive back for the Texans doing well, Jalen Peter out of uh, Baylor? Oh, uh, the, the safety? I actually haven't yeah. paid any attention to him. I, I liked him as a prospect, but I don't Definitely. know how he's been doing. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, let's see. Oh, Desmond King, uh, who who <laughs> he seems to just alternate every year between being like a pro bowl level slot corner and then getting in a big fight with the coach the next year and getting like benched for a full year and then coming back with a new coaching regime and being a good slot corner again, he could be surprisingly tough as a cover for Christian Kirk. Like I Kirk can definitely run past him if they're, if they're talking more than like 10 yard route, but King is really good at jumping and sitting on those underneath kind of routes. So if you want to run like seven yard slants, seven yard curls against them, he can be surprisingly pesky but if if they have enough time to set up like a play action post route with kirk yeah he'll, he'll lose king eventually uh and if the safety's not there to help that'll be a big play uh but i, I think 
I know I keep saying like ETN is going to break out and it is going to happen eventually. I can understand why someone might be losing the faith, but he is that guy who is going to get the 60 yard touchdown type plays. Like that is going to happen with him. Every carry that he gets, every catch that he gets that doesn't turn into that play just means he's that much closer. And I think this could be a game where the Jaguars have not like control of the game necessarily, but enough of a grip of the game flow that they get a decent number of plays logged and a lot of those plays going to both James Robinson and ETN, especially if Desmond King can slow down Kirk at all. Cause if, if Kirk slow down, like Marvin Jones, isn't going to do anything anyway. And Zay Jones, he missed last week to so him coming back should help. He can, he can definitely get open against like a Steven Nelson type. But if, if I'm the Texans, I'm putting Stingley on Zay. So that could be a really tough matchup for Zay too. So at that point, either to, the, to me, the Jaguars either move the ball or in, in, in necessarily through those running backs quite a bit, or they kind of just blow it and don't move the ball at all. So that's the way I see it. Um, I like Robinson and ETN to do quite a bit, but um, I don't know if I'd like the Jags to cover that amount. Yeah, it, it's it's a hefty number. Uh, the Texans can you know certainly keep it to a touchdown. Uh, Johannes, uh, you know one of our Johannes. one of our core, core listeners, greetings, um, has a question that is very pertinent to the game that we're talking about. Can you play both ETN and Robinson in a, in a lineup this week? And, you know, how does the run game set up for Jacksonville? Obviously it got bogged down a little bit last week, but I think you can forgive them pretty easily going on the road against the Eagles. I think this is a totally different setup this time around. Yeah. Uh, it's not like, it's not a situation you want to end up in exactly. I think it'll make sense for some teams, uh, but it depends on what your alternatives are. And I, I don't want to just assume ETN and Robinson are both better, but I, I see it, especially if, if, if Stingley really does shut down Zay Jones and if King can slow down Christian Kirk, not stop him, just slow him down. I, again, think at that point the Jaguars either get more production from their running backs or they just kind of lose. And as somebody who thinks they'll win, and somebody who's really high on both James Robinson and ETN, it's easy for me to imagine them both having good games, just for the same reason it's easy to imagine Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt having a good game at the same time. Mm -hmm. But the Jaguars don't run as much as the Browns and have yet to get ETN as consistently involved as a pass catcher as they should, in my opinion. So it is pretty risky, even though it could work out. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so I think... Both of them are startable in a vacuum this week, but I, I'm not necessarily endeavoring to to start both. It, it's not the hopefully, it's not the best leverage position as a single yeah. team. I I could uh, I do have a best ball team with both, and like I hope that, that both of them end up in in my uh, start starting lineup for the week. But um, yeah, I think just in in regular leagues where I have to set the lineup, I, I'm probably not uh, deploying both either. Um, and then any optimism or anything else when, when it comes to the, this Texans offense, you know, Nico Collins had a couple of big catches last week. Uh, is he, you know, startable again in, in 12 like years? I mean, I like Nico Collins. I just can't tell. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell whether the production that he and Brandon cooks get, it, it's tough to tell whether they're truly seizing it from the defense or if they're sort of, hanging around until a defense screws up and gives them this opening, which they've taken the opening when it's there. Like they're at that level of at least some players, they can't even capitalize when the defense hands it to them, but we still might be 
in that phase with, with Cooks and Collins, if only because of the quarterback or whatever, the offensive scheme, whatever it is, where they they maybe don't really like beat defenses. They don't they don't necessarily like dominate their opponent as much as they capitalize when the opponent screws up. So I uh, I think Cooks is he Cooks always projects well just because he's getting a lot of usage and he is a top talent, even though the numbers don't always show it. So he's capable of having that big game that he just shouldn't really seem to on paper. But I, I think Collins, especially as long as Cooks is there, he's he's going to be hit or miss because they just don't throw enough to offset his cold stretches. And he is a high dot kind of receiver, which makes it easier for the quarterback to miss him. And right. uh, I don't think these outside corners are so bad with the Jags that it's like an obvious green light. I'd, I'd like Collins a lot more against the defense like Washington's or something. OK. All right. Good. Good to know. Good framing there. And, you know, good kind of expectation setting. Uh, when it comes to this Texans team. And I, I don't think the Texans will be trailing as much as they did against the the Chargers last week to where, uh, you know, that they, they really kind of have to have to open it up uh, in the passing game. Especially so, got Pierce going. I mean, yeah. I don't know how good I think that Jaguars run defense. I, I think the Eagles lit them up largely because of just the lopsided nature of that game and the rain and the road context all making it weird mm-hmm. on them. But I also think Pierce is good. I mean, yeah, he's. He doesn't really lose anybody, but he's the stop start is there. The the anchor is there. He plays through contact. Uh, he, I don't, he, do you remember Rudy Johnson? He reminds me of Rudy Johnson. Of course. Uh, for the Bengals. Yeah. He's like exactly that kind of player. And he was an Auburn guy. Is that right? Yes, he was. Yeah. Okay. All right. Gears are churning. Gears are churning. All right. Well, we'll get on Maybe to our guys. next game here. <laughs> we love it. Um, before we get on over to our next game, a message from our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that. I'm on that show. So check it out. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to win, easy to play, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit match instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. Again, that promo code is RWNFL over on Monkey Knife Fight. All right, next game. Uh, I don't think we have to linger too long here, but uh, do you worry about a Vikings travel hangover against the Bears? They, they are giving seven at home. It's a little concerning, uh, if only because I don't know what the hell any of it means. I mean, I don't know what um, I've never gone to Europe. I don't know even from personal experience what it's like to fly back. And if you feel like a zombie for two weeks or whatever, um, th- there's got to be a risk of that. And uh, the Bears, their whole approach as a team this year is to just make it come down to as few plays as possible and bank on like bad luck on the opponent or good luck on their part, getting them a tiny margin with which the clock runs out before they can lose it again from, from, you know, every opponent being they're better. This is the only way they can win. So that's, that's something to keep in mind when your players go against the bears, because they can kind of just, they just kind of kamikaze your team, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, they don't win. They don't do anything good themselves, but they ruin it for you. So I, I think though uh, you got guys like Justin Jefferson and Thielen, especially who are good at Jefferson. You don't, you always start, but Thielen, I know he had a couple of rough games to start the year, got people who, who were banking on him in that flex or that wide receiver three spot, got them thinking like, oh, maybe maybe it finally happened. Maybe he's toast now. And I don't see it that way. 
But I also see this as the kind of setting where if, if Jefferson does anything at all, I think Thielen might be a dud. Uh, and vice mm-hmm. versa too. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say like Jefferson's just in the clear or whatever. But he is more likely than Thielen to do something. Uh, if the if the other does anything, then then the contrary, so or the vice versa. So uh, I, I worry about a guy like Thielen, uh, Madison. I don't know what you do with a guy like him. I mean, I guess you're not starting him anytime Dalvin is active, but it's like you might be tempted by the by the spread and like how bad the Bears are. And I guess. To be fair, there's there's a chance that the Vikings do get up like 14 nothing, and they say like, all right, Madison, you're going in. I mean, Dalvin doesn't need this. Mm-hmm. It's totally possible, but it, these are all very particular scenarios, I think, and it's kind of hard for me to think through like meddling with them unless you just kind of don't have a choice but to start a guy like Thielen or start a guy like Madison. So um, always start Jefferson and Dalvin, but um, even Kirk, I, I don't I don't want to start Kirk this week. Okay, all right, so. That we're we're looking at uh, what what could be a pretty ugly uh, game here. I uh, I I think I like the Bears to to cover as long as it stays at seven and doesn't go beneath that. I, I think I might just kind of hold my nose and and go with it. it as gross yeah. as it feels, it's- division game. I, you know the the travel hangover. I think. I mean, I've been to Europe exactly once and like, but, you know, on the way there and on the return back, like you, you're pretty rocked from, from the jet lag. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I will say that it's in Minnesota is reassuring. I would definitely take the bears to cover if it were in Chicago, but I think because it's in Minnesota, I'll say the the Vikings cover, but just because basically fields turns it over an additional time than he would at home. <laughs> So that they're going to have him throw more than three passes, and and uh, it's yeah, just, that it's just such an unserious offense, you know. It's like you either don't run it, which is kind of what their choice has been, or it's like, or you risk all kinds of dysfunction. It's, I mean, it's it's about as bad as it gets. Um, unreal that they were two and one at one point. We'll look back uh, in December and and have a good chuckle about that. Moving on, we got Patriots Lions. Patriots three point favorites at home. Uh, Mac Jones, I think, w- was practicing in some way, shape, or form earlier this week, so that could have him back. Um, but my uh, complete hater brain was very excited to see Bailey Zappi look, look <laughs> competent last week. And, oh, wait, you're, uh, hating, you're hating on Mac Jones? Yeah. Oh, and okay. I, I I, and I'm, I... a, I'm a huge Bailey Zappi stand. Oh, also. I didn't realize that's what it was. So I, I was unfamiliar with your Zappi agenda. I, I thought you were going to. I thought I was going to be introduced just now to uh, like, I'm John McKechnie and here's why I hate Bailey Zappi. And, oh. uh, that would have been hilarious to me because I just I didn't know that. I didn't know you felt that way and it would have been amusing to me. But um, it's also amusing to be a big Zapp, Bailey Zappi fan. I mean, yes, I wish him the best, though. I got to say, man, his I have never seen a weaker armed quarterback in the NFL than him. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jake Luton. Uh, but God, dude, some of those throws just did not look like a quarterback. He was, he was making good decisions. And I guess he has to, with an arm like that, only make good decisions. It's like, it's, he has to be somewhat accurate. He has to know his limitations and he's adapted to playing within them. But God, those are, those are some big limitations that he's, they need to just at. send him to driveline baseball this off season and have him throw weighted balls at the wall for a while, get his arm stronger and then beat Something. out Mac Jones next year. Yeah, I'd love it. Um, he, he does. He, he wasn't really making mistakes, you know, so no. to have those limitations and not make the mistakes. He's, he's aware of what he can and can't do. It's just when the tension is increased on you, eventually you're, 
pushed, you're more likely to get pushed into the thing that you're not comfortable with. And I think the wheels fall off basically at some point. I don't, maybe the Lions aren't the team to do it, but I don't know, man. Like I put it this way on Twitter, you watch Cooper Rush throw a pass and you're like, whoa, I see why this guy is a backup. Like he's, he's playing well, but the ball barely goes anywhere. And then you mm-hmm. watch Bailey Zappi throw it and it's like, Cooper Rush has a cannon. Like, this is this guy's a danger to his receivers, I think, uh, based on, relative to Bailey Zappi's throws. So, I don't know. It's hard for me to believe in the passing game for the Patriots, but we might get a uh, early fall, uh, you know, non-weather-related uh, Buffalo game out of the Bills, out of, out of the Patriots, where they, they just throw it three times and then run on the, the Lions 55 times and win the game. Because uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson should be able to run on this defense, even if, like, even if it's kind of selling out to stop the run. I don't know if the Lions can do that. So what what is the deal with the Lions defense? Why is it so bad? Because on paper it should be decent. Oh, uh, I mean, I I I don't know. Uh, did I, I didn't really think of it as very good myself. So I, but maybe I missed something. Maybe I was maybe I was being kind of lazy and just kind of wrote them off as bad without even having a good reason. I mean, I did, I just didn't think it'd be the worst. I think the number one problem is they have just one corner who can play at better than below average. And he's and, just starting to do that. Yeah, no, Kuda totally looks good. Amani Oruwariye, if that guy ever had a chance, it ended two weeks ago. Uh, I don't know if you remember this guy named Mario Edwards who played for the Cowboys back in the early 2000s, but there was this amazing stretch of time where like, he had a game that was really bad. He was, he was considered like a good corner, and then he had this one game where he committed passing or got called anyway for pass interference like four times and then every game the rest of his career he got called for pass interference and holding just nonsense oh. his career just <laughs> ended from it and Amani Oruwariye two weeks ago got flagged six times for illegal contact and defensive pass interference so if I'm if I'm going against the Lions I'm throwing at him every play because refs love to do that stuff refs love to be like oh that's the guy who does the penalties I'm, I want to do it yeah, that's, that's how it works. They're just like, oh, I knew that guy. I had my eye on him, and boy, was I right. There he is, a Holden. And he is actually a Holden. It, it's, <laughs> he actually does do that. So uh, he, he kills the whole defense, and they don't have a real pass rush. Like Aiden Hutchinson, he had that three-sack game, but he hasn't been consistently effective. He, I'd say he's more so been ineffective. And you're starting Charles Harris on the other side. Charles Harris, is that's just about as unserious as a starting defensive end can be. Uh, they have no good. I linebackers. thought he was going to be good coming out of Mizzou. Thought he was going to be. I mean, be good. he was an awesome college player, but th- then he had like the four nine two forty or whatever, and he's like two hundred and fifty pounds. It's like mm-hmm. he can't be small, the smallest and the slowest. You have to be like kind of small and kind of slow. Uh, but he he goes way too far. So yeah, I think the Lions' defense just kind of sucks. And if they do muster the resources and deploy the resources necessary to contain Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, I think they'd literally be leaving like no one in coverage. And yeah. then even Bailey Zappi can get them on the play action. Yep. Uh, Zappi, uh, for, for the uninitiated, former Houston Baptist quarterback, lit it up the COVID season, uh, transferred up to Western Kentucky, set the FBS record for for touchdown passes in a single season, beating out Joe Burrow. So, I thought you were going to uh, say that, Brandon Doty, um, the other did, Western Kentucky we, terror. We, we, we do love uh, some, some Brandon Doty. Great shout out to him. It re- yeah. Honestly, it is go tops, man. But um, yeah, I like the Patriots in this spot. And until the, the the Lions are fun, they are a 
awesome watch every week, which is so much more than you could say about them for basically like the last decade or so plus, or you, know, you could probably back that up 20 years really. But yeah, I see some people saying like, Oh, Dan Campbell sucks. Actually. No, they're, they should not have a good offense either. The defense being bad yeah. and blowing games is not interesting. When they scored they have 40 the without St. Brown and Swift. Yeah, the personnel and defense necessarily means it's a bad defense. It should be the same case with the offense, but it isn't, which is a miracle. Yeah, that's incredible. And all credit to uh, Deuce Staley. Just I, 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 I would say uh, Man Campbell, Deuce Staley, Aaron Glenn, they all seem pretty good. Uh, I, if they actually get a real quarterback, the, the league is in a lot of trouble. Look out. I'm I'm ready for it. I, c- I can totally get behind the like a, a Lions dominance era. Although I can turn into a hater pretty quickly, so we'll we'll see. Um, you like hating, big time. Um, Bryce wants to know: Would you trade Stephon Diggs and Kyle Pitts for Jamar Chase and, and Travis Kelsey? Yes. Sure. Uh, yeah, I I just I would. I, I don't think that. Yeah, I love Pitts. We love Pitts. This is a Pitts pod, but. Man, uh, Travis uh, Kelsey. Travis, it, the the Chiefs don't throw it twenty times a game. So yeah, they they, they throw it a lot more than that. Uh, and they and their quarterback is uh, one of the goats already. Basically, um, let's go Seahawks Saints. One of the funkier lines to sort out this week, in my opinion, because the Saints, like the Vikings, you know, no, uh, no buy coming off the London game. They're at home, but they're giving five and a half points, and I just. I don't know if I trust the Saints in a normal setup against almost any team with, with five and a half points, the, the way that things are going for them. And, you know, maybe there, there's a little bit of Kool-Aid drinking on, on my part when it comes to, you know, the, the Seahawks. But, man, I, I just feel, or, you know, in their performance against uh, the, the Lions this past week. And But there's also a public element of this. Uh, like According to DraftKings Sportsbook, 73% of the money, 81% of the betting volume is on the Seahawks. So that makes me curious about the Saints maybe actually doing this. Yeah, I thought you were going to say the opposite. I thought you were going to say that the Saints are the... The, the the team that's getting the money because I thought everybody still hated the Seahawks. It was it was it was almost like a public, just like official consensus view that like, oh the Seahawks suck. They ran out Russell Wilson. They're gonna get it now. And um, Geno Smith's better. <laughs> Geno Smith's better than Russell Wilson. And I'm not just Unreal. trolling or something. It's true. He's better than him. And uh, they're still a bad team because their defense sucks. And uh, that's as good as Geno has been he does have that ability to kind of start getting reckless. If they get put under enough pressure, if they're, if they're down two scores in the second half, do I think Gino's in a good spot? No, but if it's a close game, I mean, Gino's doing a great job so far and I don't want to write them off just because they're the Seahawks. You know, I'd, I'd want to write them off in this case because I think the saints are just good enough or have some kind of edge on them, but I don't see it. Uh, the saints I mean, they got some guys who are still just total killers on defense. And Cam Jordan, I'm never going to bet against that guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Demario Davis hasn't seemingly fallen off yet, even if he has to soon. Marshawn Lattimore sometimes isn't very good against non-Mike Evans receivers, but he's usually more good than not. So, like, they got guys who can play really good and, like, carry a unit, even if there's no depth behind them. But there is no depth anywhere. I don't see the, you know, Peyton Turner hasn't taken a step forward and he's hurt. So Kamara versus the Seahawks defense is what it kind of comes down to for me. 
it, which is to say the health of Kamara's ribs is what it comes down to for me. Yeah. And he was practicing yesterday. Michael Thomas wasn't. Thomas being out would also be a big help, I think, for the Seahawks as much as they can't cover Olave. It's only Olave that they really can't cover in that scenario. If, if Thomas is in, they can't cover either one. So that would be – I think if Thomas is in, that's how I get the courage to say, like, okay, yeah, Saints got it. But otherwise, even though I don't admittedly know how the how the Seahawks pull it off, I – I kind of lean their way because I think I think they're managed better. I think they have I think they've got more dog in them than the Saints do at this point. And uh, this this kind of just like blind betting against the Seahawks that was re- until recently so fashionable. It's like that's that clearly doesn't work at, with this particular team. Yeah. So that this you you ending up landing on the Seahawks here as as put my my brain in yet, in yet another pretzel. I don't uh, want to bet on this one. I'm not, I, to be clear, I would stay away. Uh, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be like, oh, the, yeah. I've got, I, I don't like the Saints matchup for the Seahawks. It's one of my least favorite matchups for them because I, I do think the Saints' defense is solid and its offense can't possibly be bad enough to be bad against the Seahawks' defense. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm going with it. So I'll probably end up fading the public at you know, potentially at my own uh, cost here. But uh, I think begrudgingly I, I will – end up trusting the saints with, with five and a half points uh, in that one. Uh, let's keep hammering on here. We got a few more games to get to uh, in a short time to get there. So we got dolphins jets uh, dolphins, obviously banged up. Uh, they're going to have Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. They've had some injury concerns elsewhere across this team. Now they go up to New York. Did the Jets just kind of turn their season around in Pittsburgh, or or was, is Pittsburgh that bad? And you know, with with the Dolphins and their quarterback situation, is this enough to where maybe the Jets uh, could get this done? The Jets must have gotten at least four turnovers out of those quarterbacks last week, right? That's never going. Rarely will that happen. So, uh, granted, also the the Jets' offense, we can expect to play better in this setting. I I thought Zach Wilson going to Pittsburgh was a real buzzsaw situation. And, and uh, I'm not a fan of his or anything, but I wasn't going to like hold it against him if he played poorly there. If he plays poorly here, I, I am going to kind of get a little bit more grumbly about him again. And because uh, he, he shouldn't play poorly here. There's just no good excuse. He doesn't need to win, but don't just be some kind of turd out there. It's not that tough of a defense. You have good receivers. Figure it out. Um, but he might. And uh, the Jets defense, though, is not going to take four turnovers from Teddy Bridgewater. Like, I don't know if any defense could do that. Uh, not because Teddy's just so great. It's just he, he doesn't take risks like that. So um, I, I think it's a it's a spot that the Dolphins should clean up. Like, I don't think the Dolphins are a bad team. I think the Jets are. I don't think the Dolphins are a good team exactly. But this this is something where they have a bunch of personnel advantages, too, I would say. Like, even Ahmad Gardner playing as well as he has. Like he's a six foot three corner. Do you really think he can play with uh? What, what the hell is is Waddle out? Like, sorry, I have to ask such a stupid question. Um, Tyreek Hill. De- oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, Tyreek Hill definitely will not be covered by Ahmad Gardner. I mean, it's just it's unfair to expect a six three guy to match up with a five eight fastest player of all time. So, uh, I think Hill should be open. I think Bridgewater will play the way he needs to to get it done. Uh. Yeah, if this was like a five-point spread, maybe I'd take the Jets to cover, but three doesn't scare me with the Dolphins. Okay, all right, that that definitely checks out. This is still a, a good good Dolphins team. Maybe they, they don't drop off a ton with, with Bridgewater. Um, looks like Waddle being uh, out would make it a lot hairier. I admit. 
Fair, fair. Uh, and thus far, uh, the Dolphins a very public uh, road favorite here. Ninety four percent of the money as of as of Wednesday uh, heading in their direction. Uh, and then uh, last comments here. Uh, Jets run game thoughts. I think both of those guys could play, and I think we're just seeing the bearing out of what we should have known would happen based on the workloads that we could project for them. Like Carter playing 45 snaps in week one, and I was like, we, this isn't going to hold. He can't do it. It's not physically possible. And, you know, I, I understand we want Brees Hall, the kind of prospect that he is, the kind of ADP that he had. We want him to get to week one and hit the ground running, but sometimes this doesn't work out that way. And the one week that Carter played ahead of him turned out to be meaningless. From this point, I think we're just going to see Hall get more and more of a grip uh, as a pro, not necessarily, not just like, not to say he'll like kick Carter out of the offense. I think Hall's emergence is going to make Carter emerge in a more sustainable fashion too. Cause you can't, you're just going to burn out Carter. If you're giving him 40 snaps a game, if you're giving him 25 to 30, he can be more like that guy that he is in the first 10 carries, you know, where he's, he looks so fast and explosive. Uh, there won't be the falling off part. If you can give Brees Hall 40 snaps and keep Carter at 25, 30. So the more Hall emerges, I think just the better the offense will get. And it's, I don't see it as a zero something between him and Carter. I think if anything, the better each other, the better the other plays, the better for the other, because they just get the ball more, get more chances at reps and ideally closer to scoring range when they do it. So uh, it's like the, uh, it's like the ice climbers from super smash brothers. They just keep going up, lifting each other up. Uh, I didn't play that game enough to know the reference, but I have full faith. Someone will get ac- it. I have the full faith in the ac- in your accuracy in particular about it. Beautiful. All right. That, that's all I needed to hear, really. Um, but <laughs> also, uh, splendid takes on on, um, on this, this Jets backfield. I, I do like both of these guys going forward. I think it, it just continues They're to good. get better for both of them uh, from here. Um, next up, we got the Falcons-Bucks. I have... A sneaking suspicion, Mario, that this is the week that the Buccaneers get on track. I think they're they're at home. They've lost two games in a row. And I think that the Falcons, they're the only team that's covered every spread thus far this season. <laughs> <laughs> Things I know. Um, I think that, that we start to see um, a bit of a crashing down. I think that the Falcons will end up being like a, a respectable team by, by season's end and everything. And I think that they're definitely trending in the right direction right now. But I think if we, if we still consider the Buccaneers to be one of the five best teams in the league, I think this is the week that they kind of prove it with, with a little bit of um, extra mustard on it. Yeah. Um, they could, I, I, I guess I see it as like the last two games that they lost were games they should have lost. And so I don't know if they need to view this as more than like a taking care of business kind of setting. And I think with their personnel advantages, they should be able to kind of tie this game up with only like a medium level urgency. Like, I don't think Tom needs to bring out the heavy guns for this. Uh, Part of part of my thinking is just that they, they have advantages at corner. Uh, Sorry. They're Tampa receivers against the Atlanta corners. Like we might have AJ Terrell shadow Mike Evans when outside and let's just say he shuts him down uh, in the slot. I don't know what the Falcons can really do to help themselves like Russell Gage, Chris Godwin, Kalen Geiger. I don't really care. It, it's like the Falcons are just vulnerable there. And even Casey Hayward on the other side, wherever the opposite of Terrell is Hayward is 33 or 34. Now he was already like a four five, eight guy when he came out of Vanderbilt. 
he's not looking great. A guy like, uh, I don't know, anybody. Scotty Miller can run past. Somebody can run past Hayward if they leave him without help to, to single out uh, Mike Evans or something like that. Uh, I have no good sense of the Atlanta run defense. I've, I feel like they've gotten, like, okay results, but I don't know if I believe in them. Like, Fournette has had a rough go of it this year. I I don't think he's losing out to Rashad White, but I, I do think he uh, – I don't know why, but I feel like he does more here than he has pretty much all year. And the real question for me is I'm taking like the – so, for instance, I'm taking the Tampa Bay offense as kind of like a given in this game, right or wrong. The question for me is what the Atlanta offense does in response, and that's really difficult to figure out, I think, anyway. Maybe, maybe it's actually obviously just the answer is, oh, they're going to get – killed like Mariota is just going to be terrible and they get killed um I think though there's a chance that we see the Atlanta offense look a little different like this will this would drive everyone insane I know but I think Pitts could have a big game here <laughs> because the so the the Falcons are covering and they're winning games that they shouldn't you know they should be three and one let alone two and two mm-hmm. and they shouldn't be two and two either on the basis of their talent like they're they're already overachieving for that frame and I think that um if defenses respond to these looks that they're getting this run game that they're showing in particular, it's like, you can't let Tyler Algier put 80 yards on you on 10 carries. So you're going to look at that and be like, well, how do we prevent that? And I think you're going to find that eventually to defend the Atlanta run game, the way you want to, as a defensive coordinator, you have to leave a little bit less on Kyle Pitts and Drake London than you maybe assumed you would. And I think Arthur Smith could have done more to get Pitts going. Yes. But I also think defenses are kind of, he's kind of taking what the defense is giving him. And how are we going to tell him otherwise when the results are what they are so far? Mm. So it's not good for fantasy, but I think Arthur Smith has kind of been pretty smart so far. And if they give him a different look, if they defend the run differently than the than defenses have in the first month, Arthur will adjust to that. It's not, he's not going to just like keep running for the sake of running. That's not what he's doing. So I, I could imagine the Falcons making a game of it if Mariota has his best game of the year so far. But anything less than that, yeah, the Buccaneers just kind of stomp them. Yeah, that that was that's kind of my hang up as well. You know, the 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 Patterson injury obviously stinks and changes uh you know that their effectiveness at you know with those short area uh passing reps out of the backfield that type of thing, but um I don't know. I I think that the Bucks uh come in here all salty coming off of a couple losses and I think that they they get right uh, in this spot. And then speaking of, of the bucks, we do have a question from Alex. He wants to know, would you start among these three? I'm, I'm guessing just a, a pick two, maybe given how highly drafted these guys were, uh, Godwin, Terry McLaurin, or Jerry Judy. We start one of those. Uh, let's say, let's say two. Sorry. I couldn't, I uh, can't find the dang. Uh, um, I think, uh, what was I going to say? I, 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 uh, I kind of like Terry McLaurin just because, I, I don't know, I don't think he disappears very long at a time, and he kind of disappeared last week. Um, I don't know, I think Godwin, I'm sorry, what is Judy Godwin and McLaurin? I think I'd yep. go with Godwin and McLaurin. All right, there we have it. Um, I feel strongly. Speaking of McLaurin, we got the Titans going to Washington to face the Commanders. I was ready to throw dirt on the Titans two weeks ago. Um, last week, I did like them uh, against Indianapolis, and that, that that ended up working. I think they can beat the bad teams still. Um, as, yeah. as much as I don't think that the Titans are a good team, 
they can still beat bad teams. And I think that Washington qualifies. And therefore, I do like the Titans in this spot. Yeah, Washington's a stupid team. They suck. I mean, they they might have a little bit of a leverage point on the Tennessee defense because Tennessee doesn't have much healthy corner depth or at least uh, whatever. A couple weeks ago, they kept lining up that Avery guy that I never heard of against Stephon Diggs in one-on-one coverage. So if you're doing that, you could leave Terry McLaurin in single coverage. You could leave Curtis Samuel against a slow guy with no help over the top. Jahan Dotson's good. There's ways that Carson Wentz can have it made easy for him here if Scott Turner isn't a moron. But I also think Scott Turner is a moron. And I, uh, th- what they're doing with Antonio Gibson makes no sense at all. They're a stupid team. They're, they're writing their own death certificate. Like they're, they're deliberately lowering Gibson's snap count every week. Right off of week, week one, he was a revelation. And they're just like, oh, why don't we, why don't we put that away, though? And, and get, we're going to get J.D. McKissick going. And I know it's – Coach, I know it's great that Antonio Gibson had 70 yards receiving and he looked like a, a big, fast, wide receiver on those routes. But we got to get McKissick going. We can't have the team just winning without J.D. McKissick. And, and that would be such a weird coincidence, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, they, they, have a, they have a death wish. Uh, I don't think the t- Titans blow this one. Uh, I don't know how they – they would have to turn it over, and I don't know why they would. It's just the, the Washington defense is out for lunch uh, because Jack Del Rio is just you know, posting on certain websites all day instead of mm. making a game plan anymore. Yeah, so there's certainly that when when it comes to Washington, that that defense. Uh, Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, So final expectation for this one? Yeah, I'll take the Titans to win pretty safely. I will as well. All right, on to our next game. Uh, We've got uh, in the afternoon window. I don't know why the Panthers are getting these home afternoon games, but whatever. Um, Panthers. Six and a half point dogs at home against the Niners. I, ugh, I, I don't like this one either. Like it, this for feels betting? like a spot for betting. Yes, I just I take the 49ers just because their defense is nuts. And I don't know, is this is the trap here that they're traveling across the country and their defense, uh, whatever used up? Yeah, short, short week cross country flight, having to cover a touchdown. The offense hasn't been overly explosive. Fair enough. I mean, the way I see the Panthers defense is they can do a little bit to hurt you if you throw a lot. But if you can run, I don't know how they hurt you. And I feel like the 49ers should be able to run here. Meanwhile, it's kind of hard to put it into words just how bad the it's hard to put into words how bad the Panthers offense has been, especially relative to like the expectations. Like it's it's hard for people, I think, to understand that Baker Mayfield has probably been worse even than Sam Darnold. And it's not just because of things happening around him. It's just he's bad. There's not a good offensive line to make him look less bad. Uh, there's no Nick Chubb to bail him out. No offense to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, the passes that he's throwing are not out of play action every single time. It's not an offense dumbed down to every Baker Mayfield pass as a play action corner route to a tight end who's uncovered. Like he just sucks and they can't run. Not against this defense can they run anyway. I don't know how the Panthers get like a first down in this game. Mm-hmm. It's got to be the 49ers have to just be so gassed. It's like Fred Warner just like slips trying to cover Christian McCaffrey or something. Yeah. I mean, that definitely checks out. 90, 90% of the bet of the money uh, is on the Niners. So I don't, it's just this game, this game is going to uh, give me way more angst than any 
Panthers Niners game really deserves to. But I think I don't know, I'm taking the 49ers to do it. I just I think D'Amico Ryan's is a different breed of quarterback. Oh, yeah, right? I think you have those guys playing like psychos. They don't look like they're ever tired. You know, they always just look no. thirsty. Yeah, it's it's an impressive group. Uh, you know, we've gotten to see them on on national TV a couple of times. They obviously like shut out the Seahawks offense. Uh, I think the only uh, score for the Seahawks in that game was a special teams one. Uh, does George Kittle get on get on track here? I don't know. They they had him blocking a lot last week, which doesn't make any sense at all. It's like you have Charlie Warner only on the roster in the first place because he's a blocking specialist, and they have Charlie Warner running that corner kind of route that, uh, you know, Warner was too slow to get up to it. And there, I know it was an overthrow technically too, but it's not an overthrow if it's Kittle running the route. It's just a catch for probably a touchdown. So granted, maybe Shanahan saw that and kind of was like, huh, I'd, I'd rather not do that again next week if given the chance. Maybe, maybe they do put Kittle there this time around. I'm hoping so. Uh, you know, that uh, they would have had a touchdown. There was not anyone catching him if it was Kittle. And they had, that play, Kittle was blocking on the right side while Werner was running from the left. Nonsense. That's that's craziness. Yeah, and you know, I'm a, I'm a Charlie Warner guy, but uh, he is not George Kittle. Um, He's a blocker. Let him block. Yeah. Let the man block. Yeah. Get get Jeb Blazevich out there too while we're at it. Um, anywho, Cardinals, Eagles, Cardinals, five and a half point. Dogs at Eagles home cover Eagles cover. I like them in this one a, a good bit. Uh, I think Jordan, uh, Jordan Davis, or whatever his name is going against yeah. uh, this offensive line could be kind of funny. And uh, also the Cliff Kingsbury offense versus the, the Darius Slade, James Bradbury base. Like every player's lined up in the same spot, every play. And you're going to try to do that against these corners. Good luck. Yeah. It's just that that ain't working. Um, and then let's see here. What else we got? We got Cowboys Rams. This is another game that the the line has surprisingly moved to Rams minus five and a half. It was four and a half, I believe, earlier um, in the week, and a, and a lot of money was coming in on the Cowboys. So, I, what do you make of that? Yeah, I guess the outsized bets are on the Rams because fifty six percent of the volume is on the Cowboys, and it's gone up one and a half points in the favor of the Rams as the over under dropped a half point. So, you know, the, that Monopoly Man guy, he's he's on the Rams and uh, he, that that bastard tends to win, I guess, more than more than I would like, more than I wish I could. Um, so <laughs> with that said, with me having a perfectly fair warning about what I'm getting into, mm-hmm. I'll take the Cowboys to cover, Sean, because uh, I, I just like betting against the Monopoly Man for some reason, apparently. But uh, to be serious, I wouldn't place the bet because that's that's spooking me off of it. That that kind of money coming in uh, makes me think that I must be missing something. Maybe it's as simple as just Aaron Donald versus this interior line eats it. Like maybe he just collapses this line. I don't know why that would be more likely this week than most others. Um, and then the, the meantime, I just think the Rams kind of suck. I don't think they have anything going for them. It's like even Stafford the, in cup, like they have to, the, the function that those two get is kind of at the expense of the rest of the offense. Like you can't budget a healthy Rams offense without Allen Robinson putting up like four times the numbers that he has at this point. And you can't just say like, well, we'll just get it to cup that much more. It's like, no, you're going to get a diminished return. Eventually someone else has to make a catch eventually. And they don't have anyone who can do it. So they can't run the ball. I could imagine Stafford ending up in hell because of this Dallas pass rush. So mm-hmm. yeah, Dallas pass rush is why I'm saying if the Rams could run, maybe not, but they're going to try to win by throwing. 
they have to put their bad F, bad offensive line up to exposure against this pass rush. I I don't know. That's a lot of turnover risk, I think, to, to be giving them five and a half. Yeah, but we're kind of re- this is an interesting nexus of like public faith just totally dwindling in in the Rams and also uh, the the Cooper Rush fever maybe reaching a boiling point. Uh, like like people yeah. have death. as far as like how this betting market is shaping up, like in in how much you know the the average Joe likes the the Cowboys in this spot, which you know frankly I I do as well. I see that I see Micah Parsons just wrecking Stafford Stafford's going to be good for at least one pick if it's Trevon Diggs maybe he's running it back for a touchdown oh man I mean I I do like the Cowboys too but yeah that the way that this is like shaping up in the betting market like has has me reconsidering things a little I think, bit I think the I think if they're missing something if the if the Mo- Monopoly man is missing something it's that the Rams defense is not actually good it's mm-hmm. got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and even Jalen Ramsey gets beat sometimes nowadays and it's as simple as that they don't have anything else yeah, no, no, they really don't. Um, you know that we we talked about it uh, the week after the Bills game, where it's like the the Rams they pushed all their chips to the middle of the table for last year, and it worked. But they made I, the pact I, with Satan, and now it's time to pay. Yep, they're they're paying the piper. Um, they're they're looking shaky. I mean, even in their wins, they they've looked shaky. So like I I just I'm gonna keep riding with with the Cooper Rush Cowboys even on the road and not that I think that there's much of much in the way of a home field advantage for the Rams. Um, I thought he thought he was going to put, not that it matters to me. I don't know. Or maybe that is the, maybe that is the trap. Maybe Dak comes back too early with a half of a thumb. And uh, yeah, last I saw, he wasn't gripping the, gripping the football. Um, So he was doing whatever. Might as well leave Rush in until Paul, unless Dak is totally fine. Just leave Rush in. He's not screwing up. Yeah, let, let him be the caretaker in, in effect. A um, couple questions here and then a couple more games and then uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith, uh, congratulations on your retirement uh, here. Uh, Jimmy says, I'm so ready to bench Kyle Pitts. I target him in like five leagues and all my teams suck. Would you keep starting him? Uh, yeah, I mean, no offense, but uh, if, if the teams are all bad, it's there's enough people hitting landmines at tight end this year. It's like, if you don't have Kelsey or uh, Andrews, you're basically not getting points from your tight ends. So not all those teams without those two players are bad. Uh, which is to say, I don't think you have anything to lose by starting pits. And like I was talking about before, I really do think the Falcons are going to get their offense approached differently by defenses in light of them showing like, we'll beat your favored team by running it 45 times against you. Then as a defensive coordinator, you have to go like, oh, we have to stop them from running 45 times against us. And you do that by not selling out to stop pits. So I do think the pendulum is going to swing up the other way. Uh, hopefully not too late, though. I, I tend to agree. I, you know, you and I both heavily leveraged uh, on Kyle Pitts. And frankly, uh, I am ready to, to move him. Uh, in one league, the the second that he shows a pulse, but like the other parts of me I are like, say, man, I'm ready to ride the hot I, streak. Yeah, I, I I mean, we've been doing this a while. I've remember I've forgotten of so many times where people were coming to me like, oh, my God, this guy sucks. What should I do? And it's been players like Jonathan Taylor. Nick Chubb. Yeah, it's like I've, I've had people. Kind of like, oh, God, I, I bought up all these Jonathan Taylor shares and I'm worried that he's Trent Richardson. It's like I was like at the time, even I didn't know what was going to happen. I was I was like. Yeah, I get it that you're concerned, but I don't know, man. I, I just hold strong. Uh, if he if Pitts peels off like three big games in a row, or even even if he just puts up like 
I don't know, 900 yards the rest of the year, the tone will have changed. You know, it's like we want those wins every week, of course, but it's like this can change really fast. And we'll forget about all of the panic if it does. Yeah, exactly. Um, So keep the faith. Keep the faith um, even in a tough matchup. All right, Sunday night game, Ravens, Bengals. Ravens, three-point favorites against the Bengals. The Bengals shredded the Ravens both times last year, although one of them, the Ravens had basically nobody for that game in Cincinnati. But the Bengals crushed the Ravens in Baltimore uh, last year. That that was sort of like the inflection point where it's like, okay, we need to start taking the Bengals very, very seriously. Uh, Jamar Chase got the best of, of Marlon Humphrey. And you know what? The, the Ravens' pass defense looks about as bad as it did that game uh, this entire season so far. I mean, they, I believe uh, they were talking to Marlon Humphrey after practice yesterday about the, the pass defense, and they are, by the numbers, the worst in, in football right now. How much of that is just that Dolphins game, though, and Humphrey being hurt, Peter coming back? Of it. I think they'll get better over the course of the year is the thing, and the Bengals have looked just trash to me every time I've watched them, and I've, I think I've seen all their games. Even even against the Jets, it's like Tyler Boyd giving you 70 yards after the catch or whatever. You take that away, Burrow had another bad game. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're actually doing anything well right now. Uh, the Dolphins game was just circumstance, goofy. Chaos, worst case yeah. Ontario. Um, I think the book is basically out on this Bengals offense, and they should be able to adjust. They have the talent necessary, the personnel to adjust, to, to, to counter what these defenses are countering with themselves. But I don't think Zach Taylor's the guy to do it. I think he's the last guy to do it. So I'm concerned about the Bengals, and I have plenty of Bengals exposure. I, I don't know. I don't know how they make it better. And I don't think the Ra- I don't think the Ravens blow it this time like they did previously. Not just that. You know, maybe they have fewer teeth nowadays than they used to on defense. But I still don't want to like make the Ravens of all teams like particularly mad at me. Like I don't. I don't. They're like the Steelers where it's just you got to understand there's just historical institutional momentum of of high standards here. And they they tend to correct over long enough periods, even with the fluctuation and the Bengals looking so bad, their ability to apparently run a five step drop, inability to run a five step drop. I think they're in trouble. And I just don't think that the markets have caught up to it yet, even if the Ravens are not some juggernaut themselves. And I think the Ravens can score on anybody. Um, so, you know, they, they, they've, I'm oddly encouraged by them despite the, the loss last week to, to the bills, another lead blown, of course, um, the, the sequence at the end of the first half really kind of like set that up. I felt like, but I don't know. I think the Ravens get right here. I, I think that the Ravens, you know, kind of take care of business at, at home and you know, the, the AFC North, I think is pretty wide open um, but, you know, I think these two teams are the best of that bunch. And I, I think that we'll we'll kind of get um, at least one, you know, sample to, to go back on uh, with this with this particular matchup. And I, I do actually believe, you know, I'm no Bateman very pessimistic. Hurt. No mm-hmm. Bateman would hurt, but I still would take the Ravens to cover because I guess I'm just too high on DuVernay or something. Oh, and Isabella. Uh, I know oh, yeah. that he. Yeah, I know that he, he's not going to be able to play in, like, base functions. He has so, so, look, I know Isabella's been a total bust, but he's not as bad as the Cardinals made him look. That's Cliff Kingsbury being unable to think in any... The Christian Kirk bounce is coming. So it's a little different because Isabella's problem is he's small, 
And he traditionally offenses coach are like, oh, small guy, use him in the slot. But he's not great in the slot because he drops passes when he's in the face of contact at all. He'll, he'll get hit over the middle, just drop the ball. And he struggled to get going a little bit outside because he's not great at getting clean releases. But I'm sorry, 4-3-1 speed, production like he had in college, there's something he can do. And the Cardinals could think of literally nothing. The reason I think he might make some big plays for the Ravens is I assume they're going to get him slot reps, in which case he's not going to get jammed. And I assume, I'm hopeful, that they're smart enough to only use him on downfield routes. And if you have him on a post route with the play action and the, the safety so much as sets his feet for a second, he's not catching Isabella. And the slot corner is not running with him. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Isabella have some kind of confusing box score not this week not starting this week but at some point when they get him up to speed of something like 12 yards a target and like four touchdowns on 12 catches uh just because that one area he can be a, a strength i think just less to marcus robinson please for the love of god less to marcus robinson um let's wrap it up we got monday night chiefs raiders chiefs touchdown favorites against the raiders raiders got off the deck finally won a game last week against the Broncos chiefs, you know, did something that I don't think anyone else is going to do the rest of the season, put over 40 points on the Buccaneers thoughts. Uh, Mahomes probably isn't going to play as good as he did against the Buccaneers, but he doesn't need to. I, I don't know what the Raiders best option to compete. In my opinion is feeding Josh Jacobs and keeping some of the pressure off of their lack of depth at pass catcher. Um, they can't really run the ball in this game because the chiefs are probably going to pull ahead quickly and it's arrowhead. So I'm not expecting a good case scenario from Gary, uh, Terry Carr either. So yeah, I'd, I'd take the chiefs by double digits if I could. Yeah. I, I like the chiefs a, a lot here. The Raiders. Oh, by have... the way, hmm. if the chiefs keep giving the ball to Edwards, Laird Pacheco, instead of Jarek McKinnon, it finally started happening last week. That after putting up zero, less than a yard of snap again last week, they finally started giving Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire the carries. And what do you know? How did Success. that go? It's almost Touchdowns. like you have known ahead of time. Hmm. Unreal. Um, and, you know, especially, you know, in, in Pacheco's case, like he lit it up the entirety of the offseason, then he dis- disappears. And, uh, well, McKinnon now we got him. So bad. So bad. Get him out. Get him out. Yeah. No, no more, please. Um, but that's going to do it for us here at the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. For week five, the preview show for October 6th of the year 2022. Be sure to check out all the rest of our podcasts. We we got podcasts every single day of the week. We double up on Thursdays too with a betting specific one presented by BetMGM. Uh, that's with myself and Nick Whalen. Make sure you check that out. And the, the Friday show, super helpful for DFS. Scott Jenstad, Ryan Belangi, those guys know what they're talking about. So make sure you check that out. Uh, before you set your lineups this weekend. Uh, once again, for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends over at No House Advantage. Use that promo code WIRE. Try Roadwire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones 
who get it done.